Okay, Bible's opened, uh, Psalm 115, and we'll take a look at a couple of verses here tonight. The psalmist has started off by saying, Not to us, O Lord, but to your name give glory. And then he talks about some of the ways that we fail to give God glory and then how foolish it is. It's a dumb thing to pray to anything besides the living God or to look to anything or anyone besides the living God. So, what I'd like for you to do before we read our text is uh, I want you to share with somebody sitting close to you uh, three blessings that the Lord has put in your life. Three things that Bless your life. So share that with one another real quick. Three ways you're blessed. Got them? Okay, now, you've named your three blessings. Here's my question. Are you thankful for those things or those people or whatever they may be? Are you thankful? And you know, sometimes the things we get the most aggravated about and aggravated with and frustrated about, when we look at them, they're actually blessings, you know? I, I think one of the biggest things when we get aggravated with traffic and yet at the same time, the fact that we have a car and have roads to drive on and uh, the ease at which we go from place to place is really a blessing. Uh, think about what it would be like if tomorrow morning to get up for work, you had to go hitch up a horse, you know, and then try to get there in maybe bad weather or something. I'd like some bad weather right now, by the way. If we had a good rainstorm or something like that, you wouldn't hear any complaints from me. But uh, I wouldn't want to ride a horse in that or do anything like or even a motorcycle for that matter. But uh, think about all of the blessings that we have. Are we really thankful and do we exercise thankfulness like we sang about earlier uh, to the Lord? Because where do those blessings come from? And every one of them come from the Lord. Okay, And so... The psalmist is saying to Israel, you have been very, very blessed as the people of God. But you've been looking in the wrong places. And you've been looking to the empty things of this world to try to find the blessing. No wonder you're frustrated. Where were you on April 21st of uh, 1986? Anybody know? Uh, there's a good chance that you were watching TV. There's a good chance that what I'm going to say to those of you who are old enough, that you're going to go, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's the night that Geraldo Rivera went to the safe of Al Capone and opened up the vault. Remember that? And what did he find? Nothing. It was an embarrassing moment on live TV with uh, something like 30 million people watching it because that was the hotel that Al Capone uh, had his headquarters in at one time. And uh, they were getting ready to remodel that. 
in the mid-80s. And they found all kinds of things, tunnels and stuff like that. I mean, the guy ran, uh, you know, uh, alcohol during Prohibition and prostitution and drugs and laundered money and did all kinds of things like that. He was also a murderer. Uh, he was responsible for the St. Valentine's Day massacre there in Chicago. And uh, just not a good guy at all. Well, when they were tearing things down and tearing things out, they found this vault and that's why Geraldo wanted to open it. This is Al Capone's vault. Maybe some of his wealth. Maybe they're going to find money. Maybe they're going to find bodies. They even had that night medical examiners on the scene that in case they opened up that vault and they found dead people in there, they would want to uh, take care of them, find out who they were and um, bury them, all of that type of stuff. And what did they find when they got in there? Uh, dirt and dust, uh, debris but nothing valuable. It was an embarrassing moment. And uh, where do you go for your blessings? Are you opening an empty vault? You see, when you bow down to an idol, it's a dead idol, it's worthless, and it's like Geraldo opening up that vault and finding nothing. There are no blessings there. And whatever the idol may be, whether it's an idol in the heart or a physical idol, it's all empty and all emptiness. You think it's going to make you happy. You're excited about it. Can you imagine the excitement that Geraldo had and the producers had and all of that? What if we open this up and what if we find something of historical significance or monetary value or something like that only to open it up and find that just common dirt and dust and just the debris of all of those decades of it sitting empty. And that's the way we are in our life. We think about things and, oh, this is going to make me happy. And think about what people do, especially famous people. If I could just win an Oscar, if I could just win a Grammy, if I could just win an Emmy or something like that, if I could just win a championship, if I uh, only had... Uh, could make the record or set the record. You, you think about all of the people who strive very hard to do those kind of things, and yet what do they end up with when it's all said and done? When it's all said and done, they get old, they become irrelevant, they die, and they pass on, and it doesn't take very long before people are going, now who was that, and who was that person? Isaac was working on a seminary class, and it was in evangelism, and they had some different um, examples of styles of uh, evangelism and different uh, people who espoused those styles. And it was amazing, some of the people where he would read the name, and he goes, I have no idea who that was. Well, I knew exactly who it was. It was somebody that was very famous, maybe in the 80s or in the 90s. They pastored big churches. They wrote books. They were best-selling authors. And now nobody knows who they are. Uh, unless you're of a certain age because it doesn't take long to be forgotten and uh, that's if you live your life to be remembered if you live your life to have significance down here then it's not going to last very long it is an empty vault so the question where do you go to be blessed now we're going to read a couple of verses and uh, we're going to make our points out of these verses psalm 115 and uh, we'll look at verses 14 and 15. And the psalmist says, May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children, 
May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now that, that's beautifully written and wonderfully written. And after all of the junk that he has had to deal with and felt led to deal with before, he finally is saying something positive and something beautiful, something productive, something we can meditate on, something that feeds our souls, something that lifts us up, and something that is, well, just beautiful, sums it all up right, uh, uh, sums it up right. May the Lord give you increase. That sounds good. I would like some increase that comes from the Lord <coughs> more and more where it doesn't just stop, it's not a one-time thing, but over and over and over, more and more comes from Him. And you and your children, I'd like my children to be blessed. That's not only making reference to children that are in your home, it's the children that you have given birth to, that you have raised, that you have disciplined, that you have taught, and they're out on their own now, and the children that are come, going to come <coughs> forth from them. It's a generational thing. Verse 15, may you be blessed by the Lord, because sometimes we forget when we say, oh, I'm just really blessed, and we think about our blessings in terms of something material or someone, and we fail to realize that everything we have that we consider a blessing, it comes from the Lord. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Just a reminder again, everything we have, everything we enjoy, everything we experience, everything that we talk about, write about, sing about, make movies about, all of, the, all of those kind of things, we fail to remember who made those things. It's the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so uh, whether we're talking about something medically, where did the doctor's figure out how to open up somebody's chest like they did mine and stop a heart, work on it, put it back in, start it up again and uh, so that life is sustained and, and improved. Where'd they get that? Oh, they're just extremely smart and they went to medical school. Well, all you have to do is go back a while and you will find out that there was a time when nobody knew how to do anything like that. Where did they get that wisdom? Where did that come from? I've never seen dogs that uh, get concerned about a sick puppy and uh, do open heart surgery on that puppy. I've never seen dolphins. You know, they say dolphins are, are just so smart and they're the closest thing to humans in their intellect and everything. Uh, show me where the dolphin hospitals are and show me where the dolphin medicine is, and show me where the dolphin computers are. Uh, we, we have to admit, and this drives the secularist and the evolutionist nuts, there is something different about humans. And we're aware of things, we experience things, we think things, and we've been equipped to do things that no other species on earth could do. Nobody else goes to the moon. Nobody else makes plans to go to Mars. Nobody else invents things. That, this is something that humanity does, and that is a blessing from the Lord. And all of these things we think we have done, we have made, we have invented, we came up with, everything comes from the Lord. And so we'll make our points like this, and we'll uh, just reiterate what I said. Number one, <coughs> the source. The source of blessing. And the psalmist just says this. We'll just take this little phrase out of verse 14. May the Lord. Why? Because without him you don't have anything. 
Without Him, you don't have sun, moon, stars. You don't have air. You don't have gravity. Without Him, you don't have any wisdom. Without Him, you don't have any knowledge. Without Him, there's no healing. Without Him, there's no victory in the afterlife. I mean, without Him, there is absolutely nothing. The universe was spoken into existence by Him, and He created it out of nothing. Ex nihilo out of nothing this is the God that we serve and so we have to remember where the source of our blessings are and sometimes we're so kind of glib about that and we forget that whenever we are asking for a blessing or talking about a blessing all of the glory and all of the praise and all the attention needs to go back to the Lord he is the one who has blessed us and the psalmist realized that Israel didn't but uh, he's the one, unlike the idols, that he lives, he sees, he hears, he has power. And think about this, he loves. He loves. He loves you with an everlasting love, it says in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, in the Psalms, it says that his thoughts toward you outnumber the sands of the sea. How often did you think about God today? And I'm sure you probably had at least one thought, maybe more than that, maybe several. But let me ask you a question. Did your thoughts about God outnumber the sands of the sea? Is it even possible for someone like you or me to think about anything that would outnumber the sands of the sea? That's an overwhelming thing. I could go to the beach and I could scoop up in my hands, and my hands aren't all that big, I could scoop up sand there with an, more grains of sand than that that I could ever count in my lifetime. And yet the Bible says that God's thought toward you outnumbers the sands of the sea. He doesn't just reciprocate, well, if you think about me, I'll think about you. He's thinking about you all the time. Now, some of those thoughts may be, rotten kid, I'll show them. Or the thoughts may be, ah, oh, they sin, they fail, they trip up, here they go again, but I sure love them. I made them, I redeemed them, they belong to me. Whatever it may be, and whatever the scope of it, his thoughts towards us outnumber the sands of the sea. That is a great blessing when we think about that and we think about the blessing of knowing the Lord because he's not just a deaf and dumb idol that is the work of man's hands. This is our God, our living, loving, merciful, kind, compassionate God. And this is a God, too, that we don't have to go in front of him. Think of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And they were dancing around and flailing around like a bunch of idiots, cutting themselves, crying out, and they got nothing out of it. You know, uh, when you come before your God, the true and the living God, do you realize you have a God who does not have to be cajoled into blessing you. He does not have to be coerced into blessing you. He does not have to be bribed into blessing you. This is a God who desires to bless you, and He has already blessed you, whether you realize it or not. This is a God who loves to bless His people, and He is the only one who can bless. Everything comes from Him. 
in the book of Numbers, in the uh, Torah, the nation of Israel, they were told how they were to respond to all of this and how they were to think about that, this. Number 6, 24 and 25. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Boy, doesn't that say it all? The Lord bless you and keep you. I need that. You need that. Israel needed that. Because my heart's prone to wonder. Your heart is prone to wonder. I need the blessing of God that keeps me right with God. Sometimes we tend to think that because we are obedient to God, then God blesses us. Well, He does promise to do that sometimes. But have you ever thought about the fact that you are obedient to God because of His blessing? Your faithfulness to God is the blessing of God because if you were left to yourself, you'd be gone in a minute. You'd lose your salvation if you could. You would lose your way if you could. And it's a blessing that you don't. That's one of the blessings that God gives us. The Lord bless you and keep you. Makes His face to shine on you and He's gracious unto you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, that wonderful doxology that uh, Paul gives us here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know, if you tried to stop and think about everything that God has done for you, your brain would catch fire. I'd see smoke coming out of your ears. Because it is just far too much for us to even comprehend. In fact, I think that when we get to heaven, we're going to spend eternity finding out how blessed we really were. Because it's an infinite number of blessings that God has put into our lives. No one else could do that. Your friend can't do that. Your spouse can't do that. Your pastor can't do that. Your favorite preacher on TV or radio or the internet can't do that. No one can do that for you. Money can't do that. Status can't do that. Position can't do that. Security can't do that. Fame can't do that. This is something that only comes from God. And the world is seeking all of this kind of stuff, thinking they can attain it, but just like their own salvation, they can never work for it. They can never attain it. They can never grasp it or get a hold of it. This is something that God gives as a gift to nobodies like you and me. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poverty stricken. Blessed are the beggars, we might say. And he's talking about those who are poor in spirit, the spiritual beggars. That's what we are and that's what we were. And yet the Lord has put His affection on us, given us His Spirit, given us His life, given us His Word, written our name in the Lamb's Book of Life, made a mansion for us in heaven, all this and heaven too, somebody said. And so when you think about it, think about the source. Number two, out of these verses, we see the size of the blessing. What well, does God just bless a little bit? Just give you, a, you know, the Brill Cream commercial, a little dabble, do you? Or is the Lord saying here, you have no idea how I want to bless you. You have no idea what's in store for you. Because some of the blessings we get here on earth, but when we die or when the Lord returns and takes us out of here, we're going to a place where it's going to be blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing for eternity. 
The blessing here, it says, may the Lord give you increase. And then he emphasizes more and more. One of the things that is a blessing is to realize that God will never run out of his blessings. He'll never be inadequate. You'll never ask him for a blessing and the Lord is going to say, "Uh, you had your blessing yesterday, I don't have anything else for you. That'll never happen. This is an infinite God, an eternal God, and his blessings are eternal as well. There is always something there for you. There is always something you can receive from Him. It may be material, but it may go far beyond that in value. As Paul said in Ephesians 1.3, every spiritual blessing. There are some things money can't buy. There are some things you can't hold in your hand. There are some things you can't wrap your arms around. There are some things that you have to understand what God has done and you trust in him because of all of that and as you get to know him you begin to see how this God this faithful God has blessed you far beyond measure and he never quits it's going to go on forever and ever and ever in heaven and in heaven you're not going to need the same kind of blessings that you need down here and yet he's still going to give them because this is something that goes on and on and on and on. The size of the blessing bigger than anything you could imagine. In Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 3 through 6. Blessed, speaking to Israel, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field or in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle. The increase, there's that word, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. In other words, he's got every step you will ever take covered. Can you imagine how it would change our lives if we could understand that not only are our steps ordered by God, but also every step is a step into blessings. Every step is a step toward the blessing of God. And so the Lord is telling us here that more and more, have you been blessed in the past? Well, what about today? Have you been blessed today? Well, what about tomorrow? Have you been blessed in this decade? Well, what about the next decade? Have you been blessed as a parent, blessed during your childbearing years, blessed while you're rearing your children? Well, what about later on after they're grown and when you're an empty nester? What about during the time when you're working and you're producing income, as opposed to the time when you retire or maybe you're disabled, how are you going to make it through them? The blessings of the Lord are for every stage of life, every situation in life. What if I don't feel blessed? It doesn't change anything. What if I'm hurting? What if I'm lonely? What if I've been betrayed? What if I'm battle-scarred or weary? The blessings of God are always there for each one of us, whether we're going in or coming out, whatever it is that we need and whatever it is that we are going through, God has promised that he will bless all of that. In fact, in Psalm 127, 
well, let's go back up. Point number three, the span of the blessing. How long do these blessings last? And here's the good news for you. Whatever blessing comes into your life today, you can pass that on to somebody else. You can be a blessing to somebody else. Now, again, it all comes from the Lord. And I know what people mean because I've said it and uh, you've said it. When we tell somebody, you are just such a great blessing to me. Well, who made that person who blessed you? Who made that job? Who made that money? Who is that one who actually gave that to you? Well, it's the Lord. And he talks here about the span of blessing. It's an intergenerational type thing. You and your children. And there are things that you are doing today that are going to bless your children and they don't even know it. You discipline your children and at the time they're mad, they're angry, they're pouting, they're upset and they have no idea how your discipline today on that toddler is going to have an impact on them when they're 30, 35, 40 years of age. They have no idea how the lessons you teach them and the things you teach them and the way that you teach them that may be painful now and it may bring tears now and it may bring anger now and all of that is going to be the character development that is going to make them a success later on in life and even give them the instruction they need so that they can be a good parent to your grandchildren, which is what all grandparents want. When you think about this, it can go on even past the children and as they raise their children then it goes on to the grandchildren and as they are raising their children it goes on even to the great great grandchildren when the bible says that the sins of the fathers are visited on the third and the fourth generation if you think about that it makes sense that my sin would be visited on down to people i will never see because there are those times when we no, of course, us, we would be that one of those generations. And then we know our parents, that's two of those generations. And we know our grandparents, that's three of those generations. And so when we think about we're born and our parents are raising us. How many of you knew your grandparents? Say amen. How many of you loved your grandparents? And there were those times when I felt like my grandparents understood me and were kinder to me and more merciful to me and more patient with me than my own parents were. So you know what's happening today? My grandparents raised my parents who raised me and now I'm having that same impact that comes back from them on my own grandchildren. That's four generations. At the same time, if my grandpa had been a, oh, a child molester, and let's say that he had abused my parents, and let's say that they carried on that tradition and they abused me, which is kind of what happens a lot of times, right? Alcoholism tends to run generationally. Abuse tends to run generationally. And that's why. Because all of those things would affect me. And even if I never became what they were, I am still affected by all of that. You know, it's a sad thing whenever a child ever has to get to the point to where they say, in my life, I want to be anything but like my dad or my mom. Isn't that terrible? You know what that means? 
even though they go a completely different direction, the sins of the fathers are still visiting them because it affects them. I thought about that when Miss Clara was sharing her testimony and said what she did about her dad. She didn't want to go to hell because that's where he would be. That's a horrible, horrible thing to say. And you know what? Those kind of things, you know it and I know it, they affect us even today, don't they? There are things I can remember my dad particularly saying that I will never, ever forget. And he didn't really mean them to be harmful or hurtful, but they were. And I'm sure that some of my reaction to that determined the way that I parented. Maybe it made me better, maybe it didn't. But either way, I was affected by the sins of my ancestors. Well, if it's true that the sins of the fathers are visited to the children, to the third and fourth generation, don't you suppose that the blessings of the fathers would also be visited to the third and the fourth generation? And on and on and on we, we find these blessings going. And in the Old Testament, that's why they would say, that's why the Lord would say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's telling them that the blessedness that came through them is flowing on toward you. And even today, most Jews don't realize it, but they are very blessed because the blessing of Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 is still operational. And it's through Christ that all the world is blessed. And we see the covenant that God made with Abraham is still having an effect today because generations pass those blessings on and on and on. So a good reason to live in obedience to the Lord, a good reason to live in praise to the Lord, a good reason to live in thankfulness to the Lord, a good reason to live in faithfulness to the Lord is because you've got people that you are influencing in your own family. No matter how old you are, you are influencing them for the glory of God. And the size of the blessing, that little blessing that came into your life, may be the thing that impacts your family for three, four generations, maybe even more than that. Because what God does is not just for here and now and not just for you, but it is something that can be passed on and something that can be influential. Because Psalm 127, 3-5 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. And when you think about an arrow, our children are being launched by us into generations we may never see. My children will, wait, will raise my grandchildren and my grandchildren that I know and see and love and hug and congratulate and cheer on on the ball field and talk to and maybe leave something behind to. When I'm long gone, that influence will be working in their life with people and children that I will probably never ever see. And they're going to be the arrows launched into the next generation. That's not just saying that pastors do that. 
as saying that all of us can do that because we don't understand our children are not just something we raise for 18 years and then get them out on their own. This is something that you're never really finished. You're always an influence. I don't discipline my children anymore. I don't try to correct my children anymore. I don't try to control my children anymore. Yeah, I do, but don't mean to. But you know what? I'm still having an influence on them. You're still having an influence on them. And all of that is so that the generations that come from us might truly be blessed because the blessing of God is not just for us in our time, in our decades, in our life, uh, lifespan, but it goes on and on and on. Psalm 145 verses 13 and 14 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who, have, who are bowed down. And you know that promise? I look at that and, oh Lord, lift me up. Oh Lord, I'm falling. Catch me. That promise is just as much for my great, 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 great grandchildren as it is for me. Why? Because the Lord blesses the generations and we play our part by being the people of God in our family and for our family and sometimes in spite of our family, right? And we do it when no one else will because it has an influence and it has an impact. So the Lord, well, He's the source of our blessing, isn't He? And then we think about the Lord and we think about the fact that the size of his blessing. I mean, it's more and more, increase more and more. We want, to be ha we want to have the capability of having more and more and more of the blessing of God on our lives and in our lives. And then the scope of our blessing, it goes on. We, we may enjoy it now and we have no idea how it positively affects our families our generations that will come even after we are gone, even after we're in heaven. Some of the things you do and have done in your family will still be bearing fruit. And number four, the strength, the strength of the blessing. May you be blessed by the Lord. Well, that's a nice thought, but how do I know he can actually pull through, carry through, and do everything that he promised? Well, here's what the psalmist said, who made heaven and earth. This world, ladies and gentlemen, is not here by random chance. This earth did not just happen to come about by certain forces that we can't explain who came together and made a big bang and all of the stuff that goes with that. No. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And that verse in Genesis 1-1 changes everything. You, me, what goes on in the world, what's good, bad, what's right and wrong. All of that stuff is changed by that verse of Scripture. And then Genesis goes on to explain it. By the way, don't miss Sunday night. That's the night we'll be showing the 
Road Trip to Truth video. And it uh, is entitled, One Book Explains It All. And it's not talking about the Bible. It's talking about the book of Genesis. How everything we face and everything we need, even our redemption and the promise of a Messiah, goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. No wonder Moses wanted to write that to take the Hebrew slaves and get them oriented as to who they are and who the God that they serve is and to give them that instruction. It's good for us too. Don't, don't miss that because this God who could speak and galaxies we haven't even seen yet came into existence. He spoke the word and all of the planets came into orbit, not just in our solar system, but in all of the other ones. This is the God who knows all of them by name. You think a God that powerful can't meet your needs. You think a God that powerful can't just bless you and say, you don't deserve this and you may not even need it, but here, enjoy it. He puts things into our lives. He gives us all things richly to enjoy, the Apostle Paul said. And so we need to enjoy the blessings of God, the people God has put into our life, the principles that God has allowed us to learn, the truths that guard our lives and have made us better than we otherwise would be. This is the God who can carry it out because He is the God who is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Proverbs 16, 20. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. No wonder the psalmist is all upset and all wrought up about the idol worship that was going on. He wanted people to be blessed. He wanted Israel to experience the blessings of the Lord. You and I need to be just as passionate about it Blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Who are you trusting in tonight? Not just for salvation, of course for that. But who are you trusting in for your tomorrows? Who are you trusting in for your future? Who are you trusting in to meet your needs? It's a convicting thing to think about how little, how little that we actually trust in God. In Psalm 84, 11 and 12. Ready for this? You know this one. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. You're a blessed person if you trust in the Lord. Now enjoy those blessings. Thank God for those blessings. Trust God for more. And don't be afraid to ask him for more. And let him be the one who determines what they are because he knows what you can handle. He knows what you really need. And what you really need may be something spiritual and not something material. Material things tend to ruin us. But God can also supply those if they're advantageous and they bring glory to him. He gives us what we need. He is a good father. So think about it. The source. To look for blessing Anywhere but the Lord is to fall short. And we all know what that means. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, it's a sin not to look to the source for our blessings. The size of our blessing, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, tell us he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Whatever it is you can imagine and think about, he's capable of doing far more. But then again, 
he also is wise enough to go, yeah, that's not a great idea for you. I'm going to protect you and I'm going to bless you by not giving you what you wanted because you'll stay straight if I don't. He knows. We can trust him. He is good. The span, 2 Timothy chapter 1.5 gives us an example of this. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first, where? In your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. The generational blessing, passing that on and that influence that comes into our children and our children's children by the grace of God. And then the strength, well, God is a faithful God and he's a powerful God. But here's something else. It says in the book of Titus and in the book of Hebrews that God cannot lie. It's not that he just won't lie. He cannot lie because he is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And a God of truth cannot lie. You can trust him. He will do everything that he says that he will do. And so I'd like to have you stand. And we're going to close. And I'd like for us to scrunch up here in the middle and fill the middle aisle and just join hands. Don't be awkward. You're going to go to heaven with that person. You might as well get to like them down here. Now, if you can, raise up those hands. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Tell the 